0: This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber um we have a great episode for you today with nicole Handel. um nicole is a dog lover an athlete a runner a she's a lot of things an influencer i guess some would say she's a bit of a following on the gram um but she also works at a outdoor clothing and equipment company called Memoo. um some of you might be calling it Mamet, you might be calling it I don't know, Memeth, um, but Memu is a brand uh, that's been around for a long time. And Nicole joined them last year. And uh, I was psyched to chat with her about that, about what she does, um, and also about like her personal life, like what she does as an athlete, types of things that she does for herself as a brand, um, and a whole bunch more. I had a great conversation. We actually went for a run um, beforehand, and I'm a terrible runner, and she is a much better runner. So, talk about. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Um, Before we jump into the episode, we have a quick sponsor read for today from our friends at Blizz Eyewear. Um, Blizz makes some awesome photochromic and uh, otherwise eyewear for you as an outdoor athlete, as an outdoor enthusiast, as just a human being with eyeballs. Um, They make some awesome stuff. You can check out their whole line of products at www.enjoywinter.com and they'll throw in 30% off if you use promo code OUT OF BOUNDS. O is capitalized, O is capitalized, and B is capitalized. Um, so be sure to check out Blizz. Also check them out at Blizz USA uh, on the gram. Let them know that we sent you. If you tried some shades on, send us your pics, send some DMs, and uh, yeah, wear some shades and send a picture my way. Um, Once again, that's promo code out of bounds um, for 30% off. I don't know why that was funny to me. A couple small things, housekeeping things. New website launched. Um, It is outofcollective.com. It is the new home for everything out of bounds, including we've got some vintage gear on there. We've got blog posts, news, industry stuff, events, job postings. The whole nine will be going on that site. And also... Uh, All the information for all four of our shows, including this one, um, will be on that site going forward. So check that out if you haven't. It's um, www.outofcollective.com. And you can check it out. Get some out-of-bounds swag. Um, There's straps, hats, whatever, stickers. Like I said, a bunch of cool vintage stuff that gets dropped every week. And uh, yeah, don't forget, Renee and Tori's show, Big Stick Energy, drops on the 13th of this month. And... Um, we've got a whole lot more coming for you soon, um, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll tell you more about it, I guess, when we're a little closer, and also one last thing, we have John Croom's episode, um, first episode on the podcast um, of Coffee and Van Chats that drops Thursday with Katie Compton, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, yeah, enjoy this episode with Nicole Handle, and we'll talk to you guys after. Bye. Yeah, how much of that stuff, like, from 10 years ago is, like, resurfacing? Before, you were, like, a public figure, Too much. kind of, you know, like, you're because now you have... Some online cred like yeah street cred
1: yeah well something came up recently which I was so embarrassed about from I wouldn't say 10 I don't even know how long Instagram's been around but when I was maybe like a sophomore in college I went heavy into like the diet culture nothing unhealthy well uh, now I would consider it unhealthy but like I was going to the gym every day and I was like only eating greens and I was like taking ab pictures and something resurfaced from that Recently and someone was like, I thought you were body positive. I was like damn it. I am okay Like we all have a journey. I didn't know.
0: Do you think that's but all right Anyway, we should tell people who you are we should go into that first and then we'll talk about whether it's body positive or not And all the other things Um, Nicole, who are you? Tell people a little bit about yourself and then we'll go from there
1: Yeah, I mean I think compared to most of the people that you have on your show It's like hard to for me to say like I am this because I'm not like a professional athlete um, I have some Instagram followers uh, because I have two super cute dogs <laughs> who I do sports with, um, and I'm a marketing director for Mammut. So um, that's kind of like the quick and dirty of who I am. Yep. And and we met through Instagram. So yep. yeah. And I, I'm like a just a multi-sport mediocre athlete trying to have fun outside with my dogs.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you're definitely an athlete. You're definitely underplay. And when I asked you to be on the show, you were like, I'm not, like, sick at snowboarding or anything. And I was <laughs> like, okay, like, who cares? Like, people, I'm not sick at snowboarding either, or skiing or anything for that matter. It's, it's just about what you do as a whole, I guess, and what you mm-hmm. kind of bring to the outdoor industry that, like, I want to talk about, I
1: guess. Yeah, well, so. that's kind of become my whole brand, I guess, if you, like, brand in air quotes, is that, like, I don't identify as, you know, being great at any of those sports, but I do them all. And that's become a big part of, I guess, how I view myself, like just having fun outside, doing all the sports and without even being humble, doing a lot of them still very poorly. Like snowboarding is a great example. Um, friends can attest to that. So yeah, not a professional athlete, but having fun.
0: How, how did you become this like influencer type person? And and do you like that term influencer? No, nobody I, likes it. I'm sure because it has such a negative connotation, but it's not. It's like you are post and you're telling stories, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I have a full-time job. I think that's the, yeah, like right. outside of, like Instagram is not my job. Instagram right. is has just become a great outlet for me. Um, and the way that started was honestly very similar to what it is now, which is that I have a dog, Bear. Yeah. And when he was younger, he was, Well, I guess I would consider him challenging five years ago. Now that I have a second dog, Ducks, who's much more challenging. I don't know if I... It's all relative. (laughs) But it started off as I had a dog, Bear, still have him. And he was a challenge to me. And I was like trying to navigate getting outside with a dog who didn't like other dogs or, you know, couldn't handle certain social situations. And I would talk a lot about it. and, And at the time, I felt pretty isolated because like what you see about dogs online outside is pretty, like, happy-go-lucky. Just people, like, hanging yeah. out with their dogs, caref- like, carefree and carelessly. And that wasn't my experience. Um, and then Bear would do this really cute thing every time we were on a summit, which was that I would, like, ask him to put his paws on my shoulders, mm-hmm. and I'd pick him up, and it was really cute. And one photo of that kind of got pretty popular, and Backcountry.com shared it. <clears throat> and after that, people were just yeah, people followed along and were interested in what I was doing with Bear and the experiences I was having and and that all, that's where it all began.
0: Mm. Do you like the, I mean, obviously you have a very important connection with your dog and now both of your dogs. Do you like that so much of what you do online is associated with something else? Like Mm. that's a... That's That's one of the first things that I thought of when I saw you was like, okay, like this is really cool that she Mm -hmm. is associated, but I don't know if she's an athlete. I don't know what I'd like to know more about you as the person because so much of it is about ducks and about bear.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you asked that. I've recently had, I've recently asked myself that question because I, I think it came up because maybe a coworker (laughs) followed me on Instagram or I, I, like met a new friend in real life and they followed me. And I remember saying to Dominic, my partner, like, there's actually not too much about me on my Instagram. And there are no, I don't know, nowadays, a lot of women, especially in my age range, their Instagrams are like lots of really pretty pictures of them and lots of um, like day-to-day stuff. And I don't have much of that. And so I sometimes wonder like how much of me is there. But I think the way that I've... Um, like navigated that dynamic is that I write a lot and you know they're Mm -hmm. just Instagram captions but I used to write in a more kind of formal capacity. I I always have been a writer and Instagram has allowed me to come back to that in a much more casual day-to-day way and that's where I can kind of talk about myself and be myself and leave a part of myself because the dogs are you know obviously not my whole identity and you're right. I, I don't post a lot about what I do as much as what I do in, in regards to them and how it relates to them. So mm. um, I'm still navigating that. But for now, it, it works really well for me as a space to talk about those experiences. And and then the rest is just happens in real life, I guess.
0: I think you're a really good guide, too, for people like it, people look to you as the sort of like Oh this is how I treat my dog when I'm outside, when mm. I'm running with them, when I'm biking with them, when I'm snowboarding with them. Like I see I see people asking questions. I, you know, I see you post about it. Like it, it's kind of like a not a how to, but it's almost like they have a friend who has dogs for mm-hmm. someone who didn't have a friend that had dogs and now has dogs and doesn't know how to treat them in the outdoors. I yeah. Guess.
1: That's a really big compliment. That's Yeah. For me that's kind of become what it's all about because certainly when Bear was little I did so many things that would make me cringe now. Mm. Like I didn't know. And, and you don't know. Like what?
0: Like what did you do that oh, people well, were like, or that people ask you now that you would have done that? Well, then? this is my
1: like biggest, dirtiest secret. I've, it's not really a secret. I've talked about it, but Bear used to be the dog that now I am like begging people to not let their dog be, yeah. which is that when he was a puppy, I had never had a dog and he was friendly. You know, he was a puppy. Most yeah. puppies are friendly. And so I would hike with him off leash and he had pretty good recall, like puppies just want to stay near you naturally. So he mostly stayed near me, but I certainly let him approach dogs that we didn't know because I don't know. You don't think about, until you have a bad experience or you hear about somebody who has a bad experience, you don't know. And I can't tell you how many friends I have now who would adopt a dog or get a dog and they thought that I was like overbearing with my dogs and took everything too seriously. And then there's that one thing that happens where their dog got attacked by another dog or their dog ended up hurting another, whatever the case is. And like, that's the moment where you realize my goal in some of the dog conversations I have is to avoid people having that moment. Like learn from my bad moments and other people's. You don't need to go through that experience for the lesson. Just, you know, like, let me help you get there without having to get there yourself. So I hope that, um, that I can help people with, without them having to go through those bad experiences mm. themselves. And I do get, a, you're right, I, I do get a ton of dog questions online and I'm always like equal parts happy that people are asking, but also I'm not a dog professional, just like all the other things I'm not a professional in. Yeah. I'm not a dog trainer and I have plenty of experiences and I've worked with plenty of trainers, but um, I, I definitely never want to give anybody advice that would substitute what a professional could give.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I think people just want to ask that question a lot of times without a being judged. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the hardest things you find in not just with dogs, but with outdoor sports in general. Totally. People don't want to get out of their com- comfort zone or admit that they don't know a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like because you're afraid of somebody being like, oh, you got a dog you should have known. Like, yeah, it's that's like, scary. You know everything. You can't right. know everything in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of figure out a way. And I remember Lance Trappy, who's a demo driver for Santa Cruz, was telling me. Because he had his dog, and it was, like, leashed up on the truck. And, like, he was, like, oh, you stand standing there most of the time. And he's just, like, at the end of the day, like, your dog's an animal. You don't know what reaction your dog's going to have to another dog being off leash. Totally. Because he was bent. Because, like, a couple weekends ago, his dog had, like, gotten caught up in his leash and broke its leg because another dog that was off leash came running at him, and his dog yeah. freaked the fuck out. Even, yeah. Even though yeah. his dog's normally chill. Wasn't in this case. You just right. never know what they're going to do. Yeah. So, I think that was that's always stuck in my head and I'm just like how do you get to the point where you where you're comfortable having your dog for sure free you know we yeah. you trust your dog in that relationship
1: yeah, that's interesting. So I guess two kind of thoughts that you sparked. The first is, I think everybody like wants to, everybody feels like their dog will be happiest by just being like, quote, free. Right. And that's definitely a human perception. You know, people, whenever I talk about uh, like having good recall, unleashing your dog, without fail, there's mostly people who are thanking me for talking about it. Yeah. But then there's always someone who's like, your poor dogs, they never get to have fun. Oh my and I'm God. like, well, I really don't think that's true. They have a lot of fun. And even if, and my dogs have fun off leash. Um, They have gone through lots of different types of training for me to make sure that they are always going to be um, safe and reliable off leash. But the other thing is that even if they live their whole lives on leash, they could still be happy dogs if I adjusted my lifestyle for them to be happy on leash, you know? Like, your dog doesn't have to run free in the woods to be happy. Maybe that's what they most want, but they also probably want to eat the entire contents of your Mm, refrigerator and that's not necessarily the best (laughs) thing for them. So, you know, I think being an advocate for your dog and, and making sure that you know to whatever extent you can their limits and their capabilities, like that's that's what's most important. And like you said, they're animals and you don't know, you never are going to know everything and they're not 100% reliable even if you think they are. Yeah. And the only thing you can do about that is like set yourself up for success and a little bit um, like... <sighs> I hate to say that some of it's luck, but have my dogs been off leash somewhere that I was 99% sure there's not going to be anyone and there won't be any issues? Yeah, there could have been someone and there could have been an issue. So it's like setting yourself up for success, creating the best environment, best scenario, putting in foolproof, Um, layers and systems to make sure that everything's going to be okay and then sometimes like part of owning a dog is hoping for the best and and just using the tools you have and the knowledge you have and making sure nothing goes wrong based on that
0: yeah that's and it's funny because like we talk about trusting dogs and like kind of like having that but it's like I don't trust people and i can talk to them i can have conversations with them and i might think something's going to go one way and then like i have conversations with people all the time you think you're going to sell something i think i'm going to get a contract i think i'm going to get this thing and then people go dark it's like you have that it's like yes i will do this so direct so clear like your dog's not telling you yes i will stay here and be good today yeah and
1: things happen the environment changes for humans and dogs Totally. totally yeah
0: um all right enough about dogs for now yeah about you what So let's talk about the body positive thing because like I want, I want to hear more about that, I guess, because I don't really, I struggle with it a lot because Mm -hmm. I am built like a cube in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. So I'm not like typical, you know, schemo guy, typical runner guy, typical, typical cyclist, cyclist. So I put a lot of effort into like being somewhat fit, but it's really hard when you're looking at all these people and you're like, Oh, this guy's really skinny. This guy's really fit. This guy, Mm -hmm. like people are just different. How, how has that changed for you since you started being on Instagram and started Mm -hmm. being like kind of not just being an athlete, but showcasing your athletic activities, I guess. Mm -hmm. How do you, how did you become more body positive? How did you kind of put yourself in that mind state?
1: Well, it's interesting. So my kind of first and primary, not primary anymore, but Um, My first sport was CrossFit, and CrossFit is, you know, notorious for a lot of things. One of them, though, is that women are pretty thick and muscular in Mm. CrossFit, so I was really fortunate in that somewhere along my fitness journey, so I mentioned that when I was in college, I got really into, like, aesthetics of fitness, and it's just like the dog stuff. You don't know until you know, so at the time, I I didn't see anything wrong with that, and I was fortunate in that I always had a fairly healthy mindset. I, I never got obsessive about my body image. Mm. And so I always was pretty like level-headed. And, and for that, I'm definitely lucky. But so I found CrossFit. And in CrossFit, you know, to eat heavy, you have to lift a lot. And when you lift heavy, you probably are going to put on mass, especially if you are eating the amount you're supposed to be. So like you, I, you know, I got this kind of body that was specific to a sport, which was CrossFit. And then once I got into running, CrossFit faded out for me a bit and I no longer had a body that was specific to the sports that I was doing. Hmm. And something I was thinking about recently, I used to bartend and people would say to me when I did CrossFit, um, like people who I had never met would say, do you do CrossFit? And I would like look around like, am I wearing a logoed shirt? Like what? And I would be like, yeah, how do you know? And they'd say, you just look like you do CrossFit. And I loved that. It it usually meant that, you know, I was like pretty muscular. And now that my primary sport is running and distance running, nobody's saying to me, hey, are you a runner? Because you look like you're a runner. Because yeah. I don't have, you know, the stereotypical runner's body type. Like they're tall and super lean. And I'm kind of short and still have that muscular build. Same with climbing. I don't have like a professional climber's body by any means. Right. And for me, you asked how that's changed for me or how I work through that. For me, I'm doing all the things I want to do, and I'm doing them at the level that I want to be doing them. And so like, what, what is my body for, if not that? Mm. Like I don't need my body to be anything that isn't serving me. And right now it is serving me. I'm running the miles that I want to run. I'm climbing the things I want to climb and I'm, I'm doing everything at the level that I'm interested in. Um, and th- what that's taught me is that that doesn't relate to your size or your body. Like professional climbers will tell you that you should be lean to climb at your highest level. And I can't question them because I'm not a professional climber. So, you know, right. they, they definitely know things that I don't know. But for where I'm at and for what I want, my body does what I need it to do. And that's not correlated with my weight or my size or my aesthetic. So that's kind of my take on that. Like I just need my body to function in the way that I want it to. And that makes me happy. And it does that.
0: Yeah. There's so much focus I think now on the way you're still like, even though it seems like there's a push online specifically to get out of this, there's such a big push on like how your body looks. You look Mm -hmm. like a runner, you look like a climber, you look like a skier. All of these things are things that get said. And it's just like, what does that even really mean? Because Mm -hmm. there's so many people out there that do the sport and don't look like that, you know? And I think we're Starting to get to the point where it's a little more open, where like anybody can do whatever yeah. they want without it being like a judgment thing. Because I think what people don't realize is that as soon as you say that to someone, now they're like the person you said it to is in the box, like they're thinking. About oh yeah, the and box they're thinking that about they that. In. Yeah. Yes.
1: And I had a conversation with a friend the other day that kind of opened my mind up a little bit. I had I was telling her exactly this. I was like, yeah, before I looked like I did CrossFit, and there was something that I subconsciously liked about being identified with my sport by the way I looked. Yeah. And now as a runner, I don't have that. And she, I brought up a very famous female mountaineer and and skier. And I said, you know, for example, she probably doesn't get called a runner ever. And my friend, Sarah, was like, yeah, because she's a mountain athlete. She has the body of a mountain athlete, you know, like mm. when you look at people who do um, like really long distance mountain runs or are alpinists, like they aren't, it's interesting because they don't have the same amount of like homogeneity in their body type as like super fast, uh, shorter distance runners do, for totally. example, there's more variety. And I think, I think that's kind of a cool thing. Like for me as somebody who's aspiring to be a mountain athlete, there is a lot of variation in body type and you need big, strong legs, you know, like you, you yeah. have to have those muscles. Totally. So I think there should be pride in that for folks who don't feel like they can relate to the body type of a climber or of a runner or of a skier.
0: Yeah. I, well, I hope we get there. And I, I think we're edging our way to that point because it is important. Like I think so many people get deterred from doing a sport mm-hmm. because of the way they look, the way they feel, and especially the way they feel when they enter into sports. And I yeah. mean, It seems like you try a lot of new things, especially outside like climbing, running, snowboarding, like all these things. These are things that are such niche activities that they kind of have like this. I don't know, this box that is put on other people about them. And I just, I don't know. It it kind of bums me out sometimes because Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, there
1: are enough barriers to entry in those sports. It's
0: expensive. It's dumb. It's hard. Like It's cold. It's today And there's like safety and skill sets.
1: Uh, Body shouldn't be one of them. And I think some folks might say like we're past that. Body image isn't a deterrent anymore. But even if it's not a deterrent, the narratives that we tell ourselves matter. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm victim to that too. There have definitely been times where I've thought if I were leaner, like maybe that's what would make me a faster <clears throat> runner. And so I don't think any of us are immune to that kind of no. um, self-talk. So it does matter. Even if we're still taking part in the sport, it does affect how we feel about it and how we feel in it. So I do think it's still important.
0: Yeah, it, it totally is. And I think it's important to, to give yourself that push sometimes, because sometimes Mm -hmm. you do need a push. Like sometimes you need like a, Oh, I need to be fitter today for this. Like Mm -hmm. I was telling you on the run, like I'm, I'm doing this longer run in two months and Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, like, I have to make myself more fit. If I just look at myself now and I'm like, this body can do it. I'll be, I'll be ruined because like Mm -hmm. a version of this body can do it. But the same body today that's going to do it in a month and a half can't like, it just doesn't work.
1: And I think it's important not to correlate like what the body looks like with what the body can do right so like maybe you feel like you have to get more fit because i don't know maybe you feel like you don't have the specific muscles for running or the lungs for it but like the body that you're in could run whatever distance you want to run totally
0: and i guess even the way i'm saying it is incorrect because Mm -hmm. i'm like oh yeah the body that like looking at my body is not what i'm saying i'm just saying like the the actual physical attributes because like can i do it can i run Thirty plus miles right now. For sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Do I want to? No. I want. <laughs> don't want I wanna to I want to be fit enough to do it so that it's okay. You yeah. Know? Like, and that's an important distinction. So you come out alive. Because people are always the the counter side to that. Like, should we put people in a like people are always like oh like people just don't want to work hard for anything. They just yeah. want to be like fat and lazy. And yeah. Like, of course. I think that's that's dumb too. It's like people need to work really hard, and I work really hard mm-hmm. to be at a medium fitness. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard. struggle for no, me. No. Totally. Like, it's like. I, am I super fit no but like I work really hard to not be super unfit, unfit like, yeah that's a that's a struggle
1: it's funny that same concept like people will always say to me oh my gosh I can't believe you run the distance that you do I can't even run three miles and I'm yeah. like three miles is hard too like totally. I'm not even being I'm not exaggerating like going out for a three mile run takes mi- different kind of hard but I'm yeah. not gonna say that it's less hard like getting out for any distance run
0: yeah. for
1: any level runner like there are challenges there too like a Short run is still a hard run. It's all hard.
0: Oh, you absolutely kicked my ass like on a three-mile run today And I'm like, it's it it is what it is But like if I go out for 10 hours on the bike well, i be tired Yeah, but I can do that and then I'm right. like, oh this three-mile run was really hard
1: running is particularly hellish I don't know. Um. I haven't like physiologically or physically or scientifically figured out why but yeah, it's its own kind of difficult
0: um, so a little more about you and about your work what why are you working for memu what kind of got you into the mm. outdoor industry in general like why because i mean you jumped from working at jameson to working <laughs> at yeah memu which is like we're talking an alcohol company to like a swiss climbing brand
1: yeah yeah. yeah.
0: That's now like in the US, like that's mm-hmm. a big shift, I think.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think like most people who have passions, I was always between the two mindsets of like mindset A is you work in order to play. And then mindset B is your work can also be your play. Mm. Um, and so I was living in mindset A for a long time. I worked in the liquor industry. I, I came from bartending and then I worked um, in liquor retail and, I was working to play, and that was fine, and that served me well for a long time. It gave me a lifestyle that I enjoyed outside of work, but I always wanted to edge into the outdoor industry and make that my, my career. So I started with Mammut um, over a year ago, and it's just been incredible. M- Mammut has been around for longer than I think people think. Like you even said, you know, a Swiss brand that came to the U.S., But we've been in the U.S. for a while, and Mm -hmm. as a brand, we've been around for almost 160 years, so pretty old brand. And um, I started at Mammut because I was interested, and I didn't know a lot about the brand. So why I started was just an in in the outdoor industry. Mm. But I've stayed because Mammut is honestly a leader in DEI, sustainability, Mm -hmm. safety. Um, There are so many initiatives that Mammut has. Taken part in or started that most consu- consumers don't even know about because they haven't talked about it much until recently. Yeah. So, um, just a really good brand, really good people to work for, and and we make gear that I use myself and that I trust myself. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I see myself being around for a while.
0: My mood's the shit. I mean, it's like it's a cool brand. I'm not just like blowing smoke <laughs> You're like, like, hey, I like my mood, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's really legit. I remember we were selling. We were selling it at the shop 10, 12 years ago. And yeah. it was like, we were trying to explain to people that it was cool. Yeah. But it, like, they hadn't gotten it yet. And yeah. People are finally starting to understand that it's totally. cool. And I think a couple things killed it, right? One, kind of expensive. Like, it's gear that lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. And that idea of buying things once mm-hmm. hasn't really resurfaced until recently. Totally. Um, and then the other thing was Marmot. Like, it. <laughs> People, I can't tell Marmot, you. People, Marmot, yes. like people. And we're very were like different brands. Totally different brands. Yeah, Marmot's available at like Marshalls, TJ Maxx, like all those people. Yeah, that we're, there's we're anything pretty wrong.
1: specialized totally. um, and, and pretty technical. Although... I, I hesitate to say to talk too much about how technical we are because we also make like a $99 32 degree sleeping bag. Totally. You know like yeah. technical brand with gear for everyone and same as you like I'm not just making a sales pitch. I'm talking about it because I'm right. excited about it. so No, um, the stuff is
0: cool. Yeah. It really, I, they've done a great job for a while now. Like at first it was like Fits and colors kinda made sense, kinda didn't make sense. Euro, like you know? <laughs> it exactly right. And that like tight, skinny, like gotta be close to body fit wasn't for everybody yeah, here. We've especially learned. in New England, it's like, oh no, I'll just wear a trash bag. Like that it's, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. a hard place to sell yes. you know six, seven hundred dollar shells mm-hmm. to sometimes. For sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's uh I think it's come together really, really nicely.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for saying that. Of
0: course. Um, do you think that you're—I mean—I know you said you're—you're you're planning on sticking around in the outdoor industry in a while. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I always—maybe it's me pushing my own shit on people—but. I always worry that when people get into this industry because they want to work and play at the same time, Mm -hmm. that they're no longer going to have fun doing it.
1: Oh, yeah. Is Mm -hmm. that a
0: concern for you at all?
1: No, no, not for me. Um, Because I think even if you get into the industry that you want to play in for your work, I think creating balance, like I talk about this at work a lot, you know, there are plenty of days that I get up at like 3 a.m. to make time for the things I want to do before work. So my workday gets to be fun, like I enjoy what I'm doing for work, but my workday is not my whole day. My day starts much sooner than my workday and it ends much later than my workday. So I don't see myself getting burnt out. And also because the industries that I work and play in are a bit different, we certainly are trending towards making trail running and ultra running gear at Mammut. We have um, a fast and light collection. That's awesome for trail wear, but we're not an ultra running brand now or yet. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my primary sport right now. And so I get to be part of the world that I am not in as much in my personal yeah. life at work. So, um, there's a good balance there.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think it's really cool. And I, I also, as I was asking that question, I just pictured that like, that calendar that you showed me of your trip. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm asking this to the wrong person because this is a person who is going on vacation for a month and has every day planned out. And not only every day, every yeah. hour, every activity, like I, that yeah, probably I, bodes well for.
1: It's funny because people, and for context, I'm, I'm going on a road trip this fall and I was showing Adam, he said, he asked me, oh, so do you have like a plan when you go on these trips? And I was like, yeah, here's my itinerary. But I, people, I get a lot of shit in, in especially in the outdoor industry because of the personality types that exist like typically in this industry. The
0: whatever bros. Yes. And yeah.
1: I'm not a whatever bro and I'm yeah. not ashamed to say that. Yeah. For me to maximize <laughs> my happiness and my like my joy, I need to plan my time out and I'm I'm having fun and I'm happy. And so if that means creating like a day by day itinerary for myself, so be it. It's hmm. what works for me
0: do you have is that a struggle for you at all dealing with those types of personalities (laughs) in this industry yeah I'm sure it's aggravating because like there's a ton of people and I like really like to toe that line between like being really organized and I was telling you like if I put something on my calendar I do it no matter Mm -hmm. what if I just say it to you it's it, not gonna happen. Who knows? Like yeah. anything could happen. I could yeah. be in a different state, and like they hear it at work all the time. Like I'm like committing to literally 20 plans in a day, and then like, they're like, "You're not gonna. You're do not that. doing it. Yeah. You're doing this, this, and this." Like we know which ones you're gonna pick. Like mm-hmm. it's based on whatever you feel like doing in that moment, yep. and you know there's a track record, whatever, whatever. How do you manage people and dealing with people? Whether it's like getting content, mm-hmm. getting things to. I I guess we should talk about what exactly you're doing at Mimu2 now because your Mm. job has changed since you've gotten there. Yeah. Um, What that job looks like and then how you deal with the Mm. people and the personalities that are involved.
1: Sure. Well, so for the first question about like the whatever bros, I don't really, how I deal with them is I don't care that that's their work or play style. My, the challenge comes in when like they make fun of my work Mm. or play style. And then, you know, it's just like, letting it roll off my shoulder and saying what i just said which is like i'm happy and this is what it takes to make me happy and so that's fine yeah but um in terms of my role yeah i i was a, a key account manager um for direct to consumer for Memoot for the first however many months um and i then moved up to um we call it director of brand and consumer which is like a renamed director of marketing mm-hmm. but it's cool because that includes all things brand and consumer like yep. it sounds So everything from campaigns to working with our um, resort and ambassador partners, events, um, our e-com, our social channels, Mm. all things having to do with the brand, which like it's my dream job. If I could, if I could choose a job, um, any one role in any outdoor company, this is the job that I would choose because I I have a degree in psychology and so really like branding is what I'm very passionate about. What's the voice that we're using? How are we speaking to consumers? How are we telling our story? What's the brand perception? How do we talk to more people? That kind of thing is really interesting to me. So, um I get to do that for work. So, and you know, there's like spreadsheets sometimes which I'm not I don't care for, but it's part of the job, so that's fine. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's kind of like the big picture of what I do.
0: Yeah, that's it's a much more, it sounds fun, I think in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but it's, it's a hard job to do. It's yeah. It's very like buzzwordy. Yeah. We talk
1: about this, you know, internally at Mamut a lot. My team, the brand and consumer team, we always joke like people think we're just like, I don't know, in an attic somewhere being like, oh, here's the new buzzword for the season. And yeah. obviously it's not that there's, you know, a lot of day to day work,
0: right. but
1: overall it is really fun. It's as fun as it sounds probably. So yeah, I'm lucky.
0: Um, you're running 100 or on an, an Ultra. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it, where it is, what the preparation has been like. Because yeah. Because that sounds hard. It sounds like it's going to suck. And I'm sure you're really excited about it.
1: Yeah. We A friend of mine, Sarah, who's local, um, her and I are running a 100-mile stretch of the Appalachian Trail next Sick. month. Um, So it's fairly remote and um, the running conditions, depending on the weather, can be a little bit ragged. Funny enough, we were just doing preliminary research. I don't remember what I Googled. Something like trip reports from this particular stretch. And there was this amazing article that was like 10 ways to die on the Appalachian Trail. And, like, two of them were about drowning. Uh, apparently there's some aggressive river crossings, and then someone else, um, they, ha- they added something to the end, like an editor's note that was, like, something that someone pointed out, which we forgot to mention, was that there's also a lot of homicide on the Appalachian Trail. So also murder was one of the now okay. top 11. So that's fun. Um, but, yeah, we're excited. I've never <laughs> run more than a 50K, so hopefully if, like, Drowning and murder don't get me. Uh, fatigue doesn't either. Um, but yeah, we're we're super stoked about it. It's definitely going to be like a mental and physical, obviously, challenge for, for us. But hopefully we come out of it with some good stories.
0: How long does something like that take?
1: Oh, just I have no idea. But the current female record is um, fairly well under 48 hours. And she's, okay. she's actually a New Englander. Um, so... Yeah, she, she's, she runs this kind of same terrain. Um, but we are giving ourselves 48 hours. So hopefully it takes that long or less long than that. <laughs> we'll see. Uh,
0: and you like this? This is exciting to you?
1: It is exciting, but that doesn't mean I like it. It can be fulfilling without being fun.
0: How? Okay, so explain that a little because yeah. I think that's a really hard thing for people to grasp.
1: Yeah, I maybe this is as a result of being raised in like a fairly strict family but I'm of the mindset that like not everything has to be fun to be worth it Mm. I definitely like having fun but most of the things I do every day aren't inherently fun like I don't have fun waking up early and running in the cold by myself that's not fun to me but it is rewarding and I do enjoy it afterwards so something like type two type two and a half fun or something like that um So I'm, I think lately I've been seeking more fulfillment than fun. And I have to remember to sprinkle in fun, like going for a bike ride with friends or just like doing normal, regular, easy social things. Um, but I don't, I don't foresee this run being fun, but I do foresee it being fulfilling
0: you realize that's like a different mindset for people, right? Like most people go out there and they're like, how can I have fun? Like, what can I do? Fun, relaxing, whatever for the day. And you're like, Oh, like I I need to remind myself to have fun. Like that's a very different way to think about things.
1: I think it's just uh, like a type A personality thing. Yeah. Maybe.
0: maybe. And it's also, I think the area that you're in, we talked about this a little earlier Mm. is like being in this and you came from Vermont. So I guess it's like same thing. World class athletes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's a freak everywhere. And like a freak in the best way. It's like, I look Mm -hmm. at these people like, I mean, Andrew's downstairs. The dude's an animal, a yes, human being. Like is, it's yeah. just same and so thing Hillary. with Hillary. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like yeah, every time I mention Andrew, I'm like Jesus Christ, Hillary's And like, there's Hillary. Like, yeah, same. Way, like it's I insane. Know. So you're in this area that kind of not breeds these people, but like attracts these. It people. is pretty
1: wild, yeah. And that's that's something that's been interesting for me to be surrounded by because. I, you know, fall into a different category. I don't yeah. have any FKTs and yeah. I probably never will. And I'm not really going for that. Yeah. Um, so I just have so much respect for the people who are out there like going that hard. It's, it's a whole nother level that I can't fully comprehend. But you're right. This area, uh, for those who don't know, we're, we're in the whites of New Hampshire um, and it's, yeah, wild. There's so many incredible athletes here. So there's definitely a good culture of um, suffering.
0: <laughs> What's different for you being in Vermont versus being in New mm. Hampshire? Because those are like, I feel like when people get sick of their Boston jobs, that's where everybody moves to is like yeah. they go to Vermont or they go to New Hampshire. It's like that's where they want to spend their time, is up in the mountains and. Both places are very similar, but they're but very different. different in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I identify as a Vermonter still. Okay, still. I went to college in Vermont and I lived there for, I think, about eight years. Um, and the whites are phenomenal. I don't, I don't mean to be like living here and complaining about the whites yeah. at all. But Vermont, I would say, has a much different culture. Totally. Um, the outdoor culture, I think, tends to be a bit less competitive I've certainly been invited on runs and ski tours in Vermont with athletes who are like we're saying like world-class athletes. And I didn't even know it versus I think in the whites, you kind of have to be in a certain circle to, to like go on those kinds of adventures maybe. And also just like a bigger picture cultural differences. Vermont has this pretty progressive um, like food and social culture. And I think New Hampshire is definitely getting there. There's a lot of like small Mm. businesses cropping up that are doing interesting things and supporting farms and paying fair wages. But I don't think that's been the case in New Hampshire um, in the past. And it's, there's a research, like Ski the Whites is a good example, like with their coffee roasting and and now the coffee shop, like they're one of those small businesses doing, you know, cool and progressive things. Yeah. Yeah. But I think those businesses are much more rare in New Hampshire than they are in Vermont.
0: That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that, but it's true. It's like you think about when you go to Vermont, you're like, No, here's five places I want to stop. You like can get an oatmeal
1: glatte in the middle of nowhere in, in the middle Vermont. Of nowhere, and you just like try to do that in New Hampshire. In New
0: Hampshire they're gonna look at you like, What? I know, I wouldn't it's dare not. ask. It's uh yeah, it's it's a very different culture and I mm-hmm. think it's it's cool, it's just and I think there's a lot of bleeding into each other that's happening now, mm-hmm. like you're starting to see a lot more vermonters come here, totally people from New Hampshire going there
1: wherever there's housing
0: <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's another mm-hmm. that's another thing, but what are you a big goal setter for yourself as far as like athletic activities like you said, like you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning all the time. It's like I joked on the run that it's you and Mark Wahlberg up at. <laughs> That early in the morning every day? Like, because it, it's nuts. Like, are you training for something or you're just training mm. to be a better athlete?
1: Yeah. So, before I committed to the 100 miler, people um, were always asking me, What are you training for? And I wasn't training for anything in particular. I, I would always joke that I'm just, Training to be able to do as much as I can do. Yeah. Um. But I do like setting goals. Like once, once I committed to the hundred miler, which it only took as much as my friend saying, "I'm thinking about doing this hundred mile <laughs> run. Would you do it with me?" I was like, D- "Of course, yeah, yeah. Of course." Like I have a pretty strong don't say no policy. Um. So I like having goals, but I also feel lucky to be pretty. Um, Internally motivated, so yeah. so I'm probably going to be doing those sort of things, whether or not I've set a goal or not. Yeah, um, which yeah, is huh. I, I know that I'm lucky for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's not a thing most people most people don't have it in them to just wake up and go. Like, it's, it's really I'm, hard. It
1: doesn't look pretty. Like definitely, it's very challenging. You do it, to it way do too it.
0: much though. Like it's like no, not, I don't disagree with you. I'm like you do it all the time, and every morning I get up and I look at Strava, and it's like. Psh- like I almost, not FOMO because I definitely don't want to be <laughs> joining you at three in the morning, but I'm like, why
1: didn't I get I up I don't want to be there either.
0: Why didn't I get up and do something more? So I, it is motivating in a way. And I give you a yeah. lot of credit for that. Like that part's really cool.
1: Thank you. Of course. Appreciate that.
0: Um, last thing I want to ask you about, and then we'll let you get back to work. Um, <laughs> what What is it like working with brand partners and mm. also balancing a real job in the outdoor industry, right? Because I think that's a thing. It's something I struggle with mm-hmm. is like being, you know, working at a shop and also being like, oh, here outdoor brand give me money to support me in my mm-hmm. endeavors give me whatever it is whether it's an affiliate link or give me yep. product like these kind of things are really hard to juggle because a lot of times you're dealing with the same people yeah um where you're like yeah here's my line i guess between totally. work me and other me
1: yeah how it's, do you find that so it was definitely easier before i worked in the outdoor industry because there mm-hmm. clearly was not much overlap right. um I would say, and I think every, like, quote, influencer says this, but I, I mean it, um, I don't work with brands who don't align with my values, mm-hmm. whether that's, like, the product doesn't make sense. Like, like breweries approach me all the time, or, like, liquor brands approach me all the time, or, like, frozen food companies, and I'm like, eh, it's not really a fit that makes a lot of sense, but thank yeah. you. Um, so, working with brands that align with my values, and then, obviously... I identify pretty strongly with my job because I love my job and it's a big part of who I am now. Um, so I I have to draw a, a professional line. Like I can't work with any competing brands and I wouldn't even if, you know, yeah. like even if there wasn't like a weird professional thing there, I don't think I would. It feels kind of weird to no, me. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but...
0: Um, it does. I guess it's just for me, I always wonder how do you separate it like I know it's yeah. competing but how do you separate like the work you especially being in a marketing role when yeah. you go and deal with another marketing person are yeah. you ever like I could do their job Like, well do you- I,
1: we de- I definitely have opinions um I don't often get to talk to like uh, usually I'm, I'm chatting with like you know a lot of brands have a social media person who I'm yeah. usually chatting with so we don't have necessarily the same job Um, But it it is interesting like being in marketing and dealing with social media marketing and then working with brands who are also doing that. But um, fortunately for me, just in regards to like overlap and my own content, I use all of our Mammut gear. So I get to post like very authentically about Mammut while also supporting other brands like Backcountry.com is um, one of my partners, and, and they carry Mammut apparel and gear and footwear. And so I get to pretty authentically talk about the brand that I work for and the brand that I'm an ambassador for in one. And so that's been really, um, that makes that situation pretty easy.
0: Yeah. Um, Nicole, where can people find you on social media? Where can people find you anywhere else? If yeah. people want to contact you hang out with you work can they slide into your dms yeah the
1: whole nine. i'm i am like only on social media in one place which is instagram so i'm at nicole Handel and okay. my last name is d e l okay um and always slide into my dms if you're in new england and you want to run or bike or do dog stuff i sometimes host like dog meetups for dog training sure. and that's open to anyone who's around and wants to hang out so uh yeah you can find me there
0: awesome thank you thanks adam that was episode number 166 or something like that. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Nicole's the best. Give her a follow at Nicole Handle on Instagram. And uh, let me know what you thought of that episode. Leave a review on iTunes if you get the opportunity. And uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Next week we have uh, Connor Ryan, Sacred Stoke, on the podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye.